Hey there, boys and girls. Tim K here, founder of the Veterans Project and host of the Veterans Project podcast. And I'm here to talk to you today about Oscar Mike Foundation. Now, Oscar Mike Foundation is a registered 501c3 public nonprofit, which was formed by Noah Courier, who was a wounded Marine uh, veteran who came back from Iraq and was in a tragic car accident, which left his spinal column crushed. Instead of sitting back in his bed and feeling sorry for himself, Noah started the Oscar Mike Foundation, and now they are striving to be the leading provider of funding for injured veterans so that they might participate in life-changing adaptive sports. Now, they also utilize uh, Oscar Mike's apparel sales to help with what they're doing with the foundation. So that's incredible. Let me tell you, having covered so many men and women who have made the testamental sacrifices that are required for this blood wall to keep our foundational freedoms intact, I could tell you that physical activity is such a massive part of getting back out there and getting back after it. Not only physically uh, healing, but mental healing is found through that. So Oscar Mike Foundation has gotten that right. You can head, you can head over to Oscar Mike Foundation. Dot org where you can learn more, uh, donate, find the links to their apparel sales so that you might help contribute to such an important um, foundation that's doing a lot for our veterans. Check it out, OscarMikeFoundation.org. If the audio sounds a little bit different on this episode, it's because we did run into some issues on the production side of the house. So we ended up hand-holding the mics. So there will be a difference in the audio quality. Uh, on this episode, but we have a feeling that you'll probably forget about that within the first couple minutes of hearing this legend Don Graves speak. So, enjoy. I want you to think about something rather unique this eve of Thanksgiving. Something to be very thankful for. The 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old Marine who struck out into the darkest expanses of space and time to assault the mighty Japanese empire with a savagery that earned these men the title Devil Dog and held their position as the mightiest Marines this planet has ever seen. I want you to think about where you were at 19 years old, and then think about the 19-year-old that threw himself into the torrential inferno that was Iwo Jima with little regard for his own life and limb. As I've mentioned before, every episode is unique, but I would title this episode as a true reason to give thanks. Corporal Don Graves is now the only remaining survivor from his group of 335 Marines that hit the sulfuric beaches of Iwo Jima on February 19, 1945. In what became one of the most bloody battles in U.S. history, the Marines took record casualties while inflicting their own form of devastation on the Japanese. It was a brutal campaign that Don speaks openly about, but beyond that, Mr. Graves talks about life after survival and his path of learning how to become a devoted husband, beating back his own demons and a faith that transformed his life forever. This podcast is dedicated to the best of us, the greatest of us Americans, those who never made it off those black sand beaches, those who spilled blood for our wall of freedom, for our wall of liberties so that we might be able to stand here today and proclaim the stories of such great men. Here he is with an education on survival, the one and only Don Graves. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. 
This is the Veterans Project Podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. Welcome to the Veterans Project Podcast. My name is Tim Kay, and I am your host as always. With me today here, we have a very special guest on the show, Mr. Don Graves, United States Marine, Iwo Jima veteran. Mr. Graves, it's such a pleasure to have you with me. We appreciate you being here. Good to have you here. So, Mr. Graves, obviously, we've had a lot of questions from diff- you know different people who've you know wanted to hear your story, and uh, but but I wanted to trace back. Um, of course, it's an honor to have you here, uh, but I wanted to trace back to your childhood and just kind of wanted to know about where you came from and and where you grew up. You grew up in Detroit, right? I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, right in the heart of the town. Yep. The old time, the mm. old part of Detroit. Okay. Yeah. What do you remember about growing up? Well, we all liked Detroit. We had a lot of fun there. There was a lot of things to see downtown. You could walk Woodward Avenue, which is the, it goes from all the way up to the Straits of Mackinac, comes all the way down to the Detroit River, wow. right downtown. Okay. It's one great big boulevard. Mm. And uh, it, we were, there was always something to do in Detroit. And there were lakes on the outskirts, lakes all over. Mm. We had a lot of fun fishing. Yeah, hunting was good. It was different. Detroit than the De- Tigers we had. Uh, well, it was di- it was different than Detroit now. It's- oh, I wouldn't even live there today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have anybody left. All my buddies, all my friends are gone. Relatives. I'm the only one. Wow. wow. Yeah. What do you remember about your parents? My parents. Yeah. My dad was. Uh, when he when he was a young seventeen year old, uh, they were always in Michigan, Detroit, and so forth. And he joined the Marine Corps in the First World War. Oh wow! Yeah. Did he fight in the First World War? I I, I really don't know, but I can tell you this: we had a swine flu outbreak at PI Paris Island. Okay. And some of them died. Wow. And when they since they had that flu, they would not let them go into a combat. Wow. They, they wouldn't even let him go aboard ship. Mm. So I, I have a hunch he stayed. Mm, okay. Stayed this. They couldn't use him. Right. Yeah. What What do you remember about your upbringing as a kid that prepared you? My to, upbringing? That, yes, sir. What do you think prepared you for the Marine Corps? Well, a lot of folks won't believe this, mm. but I was a Hollywood buff. Were you? Jimmy Cagney, mm. Pat O'Brien. Uh, of course, we had the Duke, you know, yeah. John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of actors in those days that were Marines in the movies, you know, mm-hmm. and that's all we wanted to see were the, were the Marines fighting, you know, in the First World War, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was a Marine. I heard him talk a little bit about things. So I wanted to be a Marine. If I always said if I go in the middle, it's going to be the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm the only one in my family that was in other than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. They took the Navy and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, there were four of us kids. Oh, four. Okay. Yeah. So you had three brothers and sisters? I had two and two. There were two and two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about them? You know, we were brought up poor. Mm. Uh, of course, everybody was sent home from work. There wasn't any more work. And... The mothers didn't have much. I know my mother had bought uh, a reasonably cheap set of furniture in an apartment we had while he was working at Henry Ford. Mm. 
and she was making payments on it. Well, when he came home from work one day and said that we're, we're told not to expect to go back to work, wow. 3,500 Leco at Fords. Wow. And it went like that all over. Every, every industrial city shut down. Mm. And within two days, a sheriff de deputy knocked at our apartment door. We were having soup, lunch, you know. Mm. And I saw my mother stand there talking to him, and behind him were two furniture removers. Oh, wow. And she started to cry. Oh, wow. And they came in, and they took her furniture away. Mm. Yeah. What was that they like for you? They knew she couldn't pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Was that hard on you as a young boy to oh, see yeah, that? Oh, well, we, yeah, you know, we felt sorry for her. We didn't fully understand what the world was going on. I was about 10, 11 years old, you know. Yeah. My brother was 18 months younger than me, and then my two sisters were older. <clears throat> but those were hard times. I mean, we just didn't have anything. And when you wanted something, you had to go out and sell newspapers, magazines. You did it. You shoveled coal mm. in the wintertime especially. You shoveled ice, snow in the winter. Wow. You cut lawns, and that was to push more. <laughs> Not and like these no electric those. <laughs> so, I mean, we worked hard for what we earned. I mean, if, if you got 35 cents for shoveling snow on that, that was big money. Wow. But one thing I always did, whatever I made, my mother got half. Mm. Wow. My dad was not a good provider. No. Mm. He was another veteran that came home from the First World War. Mm -hmm. They had nothing when they went in. They had nothing when they came out. Never got a bonus mm. like we did. Yeah. But they, they received a compensation through our bonus. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks to Roosevelt oh, okay. and Harry Truman. Wow. What What do you remember about joining, making the decision to oh, join yeah. the Marine Corps? Well, I can I can share this with you. <laughs> uh, give you an idea of what happened. I was about sixteen at the time, okay. and there were three of us boys. I have a picture in my room of the three of us. We grew up together, and. Uh, we were always together, almost like the Three Musketeers of Putnam Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were sitting in an old car. We were playing the big band music over the radio. And, and this was December 8th. It was the day after Pearl Harbor. Wow. And the music was playing, and then the announcer came on. And he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this broadcast. The President of the United States is going to address the nation. Wow. We thought, what's this all about, you know? We knew that something happened to Pearl Harbor, you know. And so on, on the air came Mr. Roosevelt, and this is what he said. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date that will live in infamy, United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked upon by the naval and armed forces of the Empire of Japan. I interpret the will of Congress and of the people, no matter how long it takes. We shall gain triumphant victory, so help us God. Wow. I said to my two buddies, I'm going to go down tomorrow morning, skip school, and join the Marine Corps. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they, said, they said you can't. <clears throat> Excuse me. They said you can't. you got to be 17. I said, well, I've only got six months to go. Yeah. So mm. that morning I got up and I said to my, kid, my siblings, mm -hmm. I said, don't say nothing to Ma. <laughs> Ma was always there. 
Yeah. Would your mom not want and have wanted you to join? Well, I'm coming to that. Oh, okay, <laughs> tell me, tell me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I, I said, I'm going to get the papers, bring them home, and they'll sign them when I'm 17. They said, your mom isn't going to sign those papers. I tell you right now, they said. I said, she'll sign. Hmm. I took off that next morning, and I went up the federal building, the fourth floor, Detroit, and a gunny met me at the door. He said, what can I do for you, young man? And I said, I want to join up. Mm. He said, how old are you? And I said, 16. Mm. He said, I can't, I can't use you because you've got to be 17 years old. I said, I only got six months to go. He said, well, when you six months, you come back. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you the papers you need. You have your parents sign that, bring it back to me, and we can do something. Mm. I said, yes, sir. He grabbed me the papers, and I ran all the way home. I was so excited and ran home through the back door, I forgot I skipped school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody's in trouble. She said, what are you doing, home? Mm-hmm. And I told her. Yeah. She says, I'm going to tell you right now, you're staying in school. You're not going in any Marine Corps. Your dad was in it. I went through it once. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I'm not going to go through this again. You're staying in school. So six months later, they had a small birthday party. <clears throat> I went and got the paper, brought it out. I had it hidden in the buffet drawer. Mm. And she said, where'd you get this? And I told her, and she got mad again at me. My dad was standing there. He was there. And she says, I've told you before that I'm not going to sign those papers, so throw them away. And my dad said, Vera, her name was Vera, Mm -hmm. listen to me. The boy quit school. He's doing odd jobs. Mm -hmm. He might turn out to be a bum. (sighs) I looked at my mother like this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> gave her that sad, lonesome look. She said, give me the papers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I zoomed all the way downtown with both signatures on it, gave it to him. He says, that's good, son. Now we can do something. He said, see that door over there? I said, yes, sir. He said, you're going to go in that door and you're going to meet a Navy doctor. Mm. And when he gets through with you, you're never going to forget it. Are you want him to do that? I said, yes, sir. He says, go. Okay. I went in there. It really gave me a physical. <laughs> Never had anything like that in my life, and I still remember it. <laughs> and when I talk to Marines, they'll all kind of giggle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I know what oh, you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I passed. Yeah. He said, go home. In two weeks, you'll have a call. You, your parents will bring you down to the train station. We'll leave for San Diego Marine Corps Base. Yeah. I said, yes, sir, and I ran home two weeks later. Within two weeks, they gave me a call, and they brought me down to the train station, and there were about 12 of us kids, mm-hmm. and we were the saddest-looking 12 I ever saw in my life. You know, we had, in those days, you know, we wore the re- plates and all that junk, you know, <laughs> suit suits. And, yeah. and we had not long hair, but we had bushy red hair. Yeah. Bushy, wavy. Oh, I love my hair. Yeah, yeah. And this, this, they had another corporal with him, and that corporal kept looking at my hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he kind of smiled, looked at me. I had no idea what was going to happen until yeah. I got out to California. Well, he said, "Fellas, before we do anything serious here, I want you to go back to your families, say goodbye, be back here in three and a half minutes." Mm. We ran, said. 
goodbye, and they cried and all that, but we ran back in formation. And then we did the Pledge of Allegiance. We swore an oath mm. that, that the uh, political people swear mm. to protect our people at home and abroad, you know, that type of thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we had a real, good, uh, a real good ceremony. And then he gave us a little talk. Mm. He said, you just said goodbye to your families a few moments ago. Now, I want you to learn and listen to what I have to say. They don't own you anymore. Mm. I own you for four days. Mm. And when I get you in San Diego Marine Corps base, you're going to be owned by the United States Marine Corps. Mm. Wow. And they said, are you all willing to do that? We said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the parents are crying in the back of the room. <laughs> My sister said, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> we got on that train, and it was August 17th, 1942. Wow. Hot. Wow. We stalled at San Antonio, mm. a flat wheel. Wow. They were waiting for a wheel. We almost died. Wow, yeah. you know, there's no air conditioning. No. Fans at the end of the car. You know what we did? We thought of a good idea. Mm. We had Dixie cups, paper cups. Mm -hmm. You put water in them, you know. So we'd take our shirts off. We didn't care. Yeah. Took our shirts off. And we'd fill them with water and throw them in the fan and stand there and get sprayed with the cold water. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we made a mess out of those cars, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, anyway, that we got down. We got to San Diego and we went through a ceremony there, had our physicals, oh boy, mm -hmm. and spent eight weeks in boot camp, taught us how to fight and kill Japanese. Mm, wow. Then the first thing he did told us, we fell out after chow about 6.37 in the morning. And I'm a, we were on the boom dock. See, have you ever been to Marine Corps base in San Diego? I have been there. All right. Yes, yes. You know where the parade ground is? Yes, sir. That parade ground was loaded with platoons of boots, mm. crisscrossing around one another. You could not walk across it. Wow. That's how many we had. Wow. I was platoon 675. Mm. Still so remember that. We were in Chow one morning. Kid came up, he says, hey, Graves. He said, Zorro's here, one platoon behind us. Mm -hmm. And I said, Zorro? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tyrone Power. <laughs> I said, Tyrone Power? Yeah, he said, he joined up. He said, he's going through it. He's one platoon behind us right now. So he went through Tyrone Power. Wow. Glenn Ford went through it. Wow. I mean, we had a lot of Hollywood actors in there. You know, they all went to war. They weren't like these animals today out there. Mm. I mean, wow. they were Americans, yeah. and they put out good military movies. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of, like Sergeant York. Mm -hmm. I saw Sergeant York about a year before I went in the Marine Corps, and I made my mind up that I, one day I was going to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a soldier one way or another. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we were educated. You know, yeah. we, we knew all about our country, our history, the Civil War. We knew more about the Civil War than they do here in Texas. Yeah. I speak in the high schools here. They don't know anything about Gettysburg. Yeah. Wow. And Iwo Jima is the only battle that is compared to Gettysburg. Wow. Or vice versa. Wow. Casually wise. Right. Wow. It was slaughter. Yeah. 
So they they just don't know. I'll tell you something that was funny. I spoke right around the corner down here at our brand new junior high school two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, our neighbor told the history teacher about me. <clears throat> and he called me, wondering if I'd come and speak to his history class. I said, history class? Well, he said, don't don't think I'm, I don't teach it. He said, but I am a history teacher. I said, well, what, what do you do? I just teach the general stuff, he said. But I'd like to have you talk to him. Would you do it? I said, sure. So I went. Yeah. And I got through with the second group, 150 apiece. I said, are there any questions? Young girl got up. She had Mr. Graves. Were you at San Antonio? <laughs> I said, would you say that again? The teacher lowered his head like that. He was so, he felt bad. Were you at San Antonio? I said, young lady, I'm too young to know Davy Crockett. She said, who is he? <laughs> wow. That's sad. Wow. Yes, sir. That is sad. That These is kids sad. know nothing about American history. Yeah. And they should be getting it, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. How does we that, had it. We had it. How does that make you feel now in the position that you're in? Well, I, it, it, it makes me feel bad because these kids don't know where they're going. Yeah. They, they, they don't know what to do when we hear about drafts and military induction. They, they don't know. Yeah. And they're full of questions. You should see them. Uh, I go to Grapevine about once or twice a year, and the, 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 the staff puts on breakfast for us veterans. Mm. And... Five girls came up, wanted if they could sit with us. Just sit down, girls, we'll talk. Yeah. So we talked. And they said, you know, you mentioned something about history, and, and I wish we had. I said, well, why don't you girls get together and go to the principal and tell them you want history? Yeah. She said, well, I think we're going to do that because we would love to have history. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's, uh, they just don't understand. Yeah. We've got a serious problem coming up with our young men today. Right. They're they're not like we were, of no, course. No, I uh, I was called up by the by our recruiting Marine Corps station over here, and he called up. He said, "Dad, would you be willing to speak to sixty young kids that are going to leave on a bus in about an hour?" I said, "Sure." What are you doing? I said, "Nothing." He said, "Come over and speak to him." I said, "I did." Mm-hmm. I went over mm. and I spoke to him. They asked questions. Mm. When it was all over, they loaded up and left. And he called me over. He said, "Don." I want to tell you something. There's a world of difference between these young fellows and when you kids went in. I yeah. said, what's that? He said, when you went in, you went in to kill the enemy. Right. They come to us and they say, what can the Marine Corps give us? Mm. What can they do wow. for me? What can they do for us? Right. And I'll say, what do you tell them? They say, we'll tell you what you'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So we've got a real serious. I had a young man come up to me after a school event. He said, Mr. Graves, let's see, I have to I have to understand this. You said you quit school and you went to war at 17. I said, I quit school at 16. I did some work before I left. Wow. He said, how could you do that? I said, so you can stand there and ask me that question. <laughs> That's the truth. Didn't get it. Yeah, it didn't. Give, we got a serious problem. Yeah. Our girls are aggressive. They're joining the military. Mm-hmm. They are. It's crazy. Yeah, and that worries me. It's a completely different culture. Oh, it's a different culture. Do you feel like you're in a different world? Sometimes I do. I don't understand my country. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, 
Wow. I, I just don't, I, I don't understand what they're thinking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. See, we've lost the home atmosphere. Mm. Mama's not there anymore. She's out pursuing a career. Mm. The kids are on their own. They go to McDonald's for supper. Yeah. You see it all the time over there. Right. Yeah. A lot of helicopter, a lot of helicopters too. Just oh. not, not actually in and being around the children and able to yeah. train them up and the way they yeah. should go. I, I'm not saying that they couldn't do it. Right. But it's going to take a lot. It's, you know, I've also learned this from the Marine Corps. We always had two discharges, honorable and dishonorable. Mm -hmm. We have a third one now, undesirable. Mm. If they whine and cry, they can get out. Yeah. That didn't exist when you were no, in No, when I was in the Corps, we stood there in ranks. If you had one, and we did, we cried. Mm. I mean, we're kids, you yeah, know. Right, yeah. We never left home before in our life. Yeah. Here, we're clear across the United States. And he'd come right up to you within an inch and say, suck it up, son. Mm. And that was it. Yeah. You stopped. And you knew. I meant to tell you that he marched us down to the boondocks. Mm. And down in San Diego, down by the boondocks, is the bay. And way over, you'll see docks. Down, as you go down through the boondocks, which is down over the sand, the beach, down by the water, mm -hmm. he marched us down there, and there were transports across the way along these docks. Mm -hmm. And he said, young fellows, I want you to see those ships over. Do you know what they are? We said, no, sir. Those are transports. And they're going to take you where you have to go, all over the Pacific. Wow. And he said, after eight weeks, and you join an outfit, there's a good chance you'll be on those ships. And if you listen to me and do what you're told and keep your nose clean, you might just come back. Wow. That's what he's telling a bunch of 17-year-old up to 20-year-old kids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. That's it. The, the learning. No, no pussyfooting around. You mm. knew what you, and you made your, what did I ask for? Yeah. And, but you'll you'll learn the education in the Marine Corps. Oh yeah, mm. oh yeah. Wow. Actually, mm. I'm brainwashed. <laughs> 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 hey, I wouldn't have it any other way. Met a man out of me. Yeah, yeah. my dad wow. didn't do that. No. Wow. Yeah. What did you so so when you joined then and you made it through boot camp and do you remember boot camp really well? Oh yes. Oh yes. I what remember was like, very well. What was that like for you? In boot camp? Yes. Oh, it was terrible. Terrible? <laughs> it was terrible. I'll tell you what happened one morning. In the afternoon, uh, we had an hour break, mm -hmm. and he said, Graves, fall out in the company tent. Yes, sir. And I ran down to the sergeant's tent, knocked on the door. He says, come in. I walked in, stood at attention. He said, Graves, you got a package from your mama. Mm -hmm. Open it up. Uh-oh. I said, sir, you heard me. You're not deaf. Open it up. I opened the package up. It was a beautiful cake. Ooh. Oh, it was good. My <laughs> mother could bake. She had a bakery. I said, I said, sir, again. <laughs> he said, I don't want to tell you again. <laughs> Open it up. Mm. I opened it up. He saw the cake. He said, my gosh, that's a beautiful cake, isn't it, Graves? I said, yes, sir. Throw it in the GI can. Ooh. I said, sir, are you deaf? Throw it as I can. <laughs> Dumped it, and tears are running down my face, and he said, 
is that are those tears on your face, boy? Mm. And I said, Yes, sir. He said, Go back to your company tent. Mm. Yes, sir. So I left. And when I told my buddies, they were ticked off. Mm. Well, that's what he wants. Right. He wants you to do it. Mm-hmm. He wants you to hate him. Mm. Yeah. He's, the, he's the enemy. He's the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would like to give it to him. No. <laughs> <laughs> they were preparing the. They were preparing the pit bulls to oh, fight. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah. But it's. I've been. You know, when I go to the like, for instance, I was. I was up here at Pensacola. Mm. And some of these guys would tell me, they say, Graves, you'd never make it today. Mm. You would not, no, you wouldn't like it. Yeah. He mm. said, it's tough. Not not what you went through. Right. But the attitude of everybody is bad. It's definitely different. Yeah, definitely yeah. different. Uh, when you come out of the same atmosphere and the same environment and you never had anything and now here you've getting something, you know. Yeah. You know, you're getting a career, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But well, that boot camp was, uh, you'll just never forget it. But, it, but it makes men out of you. Yeah. And it makes you patriotic. Right. And it makes you love your country and love your people and love everything about them. You, you are to protect that nation. Mm. And that's what the Corps did to us. Wow. Yeah. So did you did you feel ready by the time you got to your? Oh yeah. Oh, we were chopping at the bit. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's you, when you, you got to. You can get so it? much drilling, yeah. so much pumped. You want to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so they sent you to Fifth Marine Division. Uh, yeah, we yeah. were we were well. I was attached to a small outfit called Second Any Tank Battalion. Okay. Half tracks with a gun on it, thirty-seven millimeters on a Dodge truck. Gotcha. And that muzzle was next to my head, and we would fire. I drove it. Mm. We would fire that on the run. I have two hearing aids now. I lost my hearing. I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> those were loud guns. Yeah. So when you when you got into the Marine Corps, when you got to Fifth Marine Division, how soon after before you? Went and oh, overseas. we tra- well. It, this is interesting because uh, the fifth division was a little bit, and there was a little jealousy amongst the divisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were made up of Marine Raiders, okay, paratroopers. Mm-hmm. They couldn't use them. Oh. No need of them. Right. We were we were all assaults, assault men. Mm-hmm. That's what the Marine Corps did. We were assault. Right. We occupied, you know, yeah. and so they they just cut out a lot of the different specials, and the paratroopers broke up, and we went back to San Diego from Hilo, Hawaii, with uh, those office, and joined a new division called the Fifth Division, mm. and uh, this was Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, and Nimitz's prize object, oh. their, their prize project. Okay. We were tra- we were trained and and designed. To take Iwo Jima. Yeah, we uh, so we they uh, sent us all back to Camp Pendleton. Mm. Okay. And uh, we went we went down from not from Camp Pendleton, but it's a it's a division camp. We went down San Clemente, and we have Tent Camp One, mm. and that tent camp is in Diamondback Canyon, rattlesnakes. Ooh. And we had to get them out of there. Oh my gosh, it was a mess. Yeah. But anyway, that was it was a big camp. We trained out in the boonies, out in the back. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of acres of training. 
Wow. A lot of room out there. And we trained it. We trained differently. Mm. Uh, we did a lot of assault work. Mm. It didn't pay, we didn't pay any attention to it. I burned out caves in the hills and that. Yeah. And didn't, I figured that's what we're supposed to do, you know. Well, <clears throat> then finally we got the word that we're going to load up, go back to Hilo, Hawaii. Hilo, Hawaii is where the Marines trained. Uh, they actually have the biggest cattle ranch in the world there. Wow. They did. I don't know what's there now. Yeah. And so we had, we had artillery range, everything we wanted to do. Mm. Well, that's where we went. And we trained and trained. Then all of a sudden we got word we're going to load up and board ship and head for Saipan. Saipan was over with. Mm. B-29s were all over it, waiting to go somewhere. Yeah. They were bombing Tokyo, but they were getting shot down coming back. And we had, they had no cover because the Corsairs and the Navy planes could not go that far. So we were, they were waiting for something that would take them. Wow. Well, anyway, we went back to Hawaii. We trained, and we got aboard a ship, and we went to Saipan. We, we got off those ships and loaded small LSTs. One company of Marines on top side, you slept on the deck. Okay. You ate chow on the deck. Yeah. Down below was six amphibious tractors. The Japanese call them alligators with wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so we're aboard this LST, and for two weeks, we take off. We have no idea. And I have to tell you, nobody ever, ever heard or used the word Iwo Jima. Really? We wow. did not know anything about that. But we had a hunch that we were going to be in for something special. The way we trained, mm. it was entirely different. Yeah. Not jungle fighting, you mm. know. Well, some of the same tactics, but not, not jungle fighting. So about two weeks, uh, uh, one day out from Iwo, which we still didn't know, they brought clay models up and put them on tables. Each LST had this happen. And they explained, this is islands called Iwo Jima, Sulphur Island. And uh, they told us all about it, what we were going to do, where we, my outfit was going to go, where the other divisions were going to go. And we, my 28th Regiment of the 5th Division, were to hit Green Beach 1 right next to Suribachi. Mm. Go up over the top, turn left, 545 feet, and secure Mount Suribachi. No flag was in the program whatsoever. That was never, never, ever considered. And uh, then we would join the rest of the 28th when we secured that, secure the rest of the eight square miles. Mm. That's what we were going to do. Sounded so easy. <laughs> Sounded well, easy. <laughs> the next morning we got up, 5 o'clock in the morning, and there was gunfire all over the We're in the battle. But, I, but the island's about a mile and a half, two miles off. And the Navy and the Air Corps hammered the daylights out of it. Mm. Nothing but massive clouds. Wow. We thought, gee, that's going to be a piece of cake for crying out loud, you know. Mm -hmm. And they brought us breakfast, chow. What do you think we had? First time in my life in the Marine Corps. Steak uh, and eggs. Uh, we had eggs, but we never got a steak in the Marine Corps. Never. No. And I said to a kid next to me, I said, hey, buddy. What's with the steak and eggs? Mm -hmm. He said, Graves, use your head. 
What do they do with convicts before they execute them? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of humor yeah. we have. I mean, we're excited. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna finally use what we've been taught. Yeah, we're all excited. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the kids weren't because some of them had some pretty good invasion under their belt. Oh yeah, Tarawa. Oh wow. Two. It was only two days of Iwo Jima. Mm. We had six weeks. Right. Well, anyway. <clears throat> After chow, we got word, all hands, mm. go down below and board your vehicles. Mm. Well, I went down, and I had that 72-pound flamethrower on me, mm. and I had a man on my left and right there to stay with me at all times because if I fall, I got trouble. Right. <clears throat> Approaching the pillbox or something. So I, we got down the vehicle. How am I going to get in there? So I said, yeah, we'll get you up there. So another guy came over, and three of them lifted me up, put me right over, and I fell over inside, got myself in order. Mm-hmm. They got in. We went out the mouth of the ship wow. and rallied around for about 15 minutes. And, man, you see an air fight, Corsairs, Navy planes, Jap Zeros. Yeah. And we're betting on who's going to get it. Wow. That's what we're doing. <laughs> well, then all of a sudden, the Commodore drops the flag, and our wave goes in, third wave. Mm. We're heading in towards the beach. And I hear a noise I never heard before. It was like a push, mm. push like that, loud. Yeah. And I thought, what the heck is that? They said, I don't know. They're, they're thinking, you know. Yeah. I kind of stuck my head up like that, looked out the fan tail. And the artillery's hitting our landing crafts. Oh, wow. Blowing them right out of the water. Ooh. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we're done. We're done. We're all through. Yeah. Didn't happen. Wow. Headed for the beach, could not get on the sand. Mm. He says, everybody overboard. Wow. I got that flamethrower on. They got me up the side and shoved me over. <laughs> I'm so thankful the Marine Corps taught us to be rough for crying out loud. <laughs> I pulled my reached down, grabbed me, and jerked me up out of the water. I'm spitting and sputtering like mm-hmm. this. We head for the first sand beach, bam, right down on our face. Mm. My gosh, we couldn't move elbow to elbow. Every time you go over the top, they drop. Wow from Mount Sarabachi. Wow. Right up over us. Mm. They nailed us just bad. It was terrible. Yeah. It, it was so bad. Kids that went over the top were coming back hit. Mm-hmm. I remember one kid came to me and he got shot in the neck. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we only had a few corpsmen then, you know. We mm-hmm. couldn't handle everybody. Right. Well, he comes towards me and, and you don't stop. Right. We got people for that. Yeah. You, you keep going. Yeah. Or you're going to be one of them. Right. So he said, help, help me, buddy. Help me, buddy. And I just ignore him. Yeah. I said, just hang in there, buddy. The corpsmen are coming. Hang in there. And I went right on by him. I, didn't, I couldn't stop. Yeah. And we got up to the, finally the top tier. Yeah. And I made a left turn and there was a shell hole. Boy, the Air Corps made the best doggone custom-made foxhole a Marine ever crawled into. <laughs> I'm telling you, you couldn't dig that stuff with, a, with our small little shovels. Right. It would cave in. Yeah. You see, the sand, the volcanic ash, mm-hmm. they deliberately plowed that up and brought more in t- so we couldn't walk good. 
Wow. And because I had weight. Mm. Are you talking I, about the Japanese? I, oh, yeah. yeah. I, they go right up to my knees. It was terrible. Wow. And they'd get inside our legs, our socks, our boots. It was awful. Volcanic ash. Wow. I'll show you some after. Okay. <clears throat> well, anyway, uh, I made that left turn. I saw that hole, and I had it for I slid down in it with this flamethrower on me. I didn't have anybody. My two buddies got it. They weren't with me. Wow. Um, so they didn't make it? No, the they never made it. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a kid in there with an M1 rifle, mm -hmm. and he's pointing towards Surabachi. And I said, Mac, what outfit she in? He didn't answer. Mm -hmm. I said it twice. Then I reached over to grab, t to move him, mm -hmm. and I noticed the bottom half of his body was on the other side of the hole. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he caught a direct mortar. It must have been a mortar. Wow. We hate mortars. Yeah. They kill and maim more men than any other weapon. They can throw them by the dozens in the air, and they just and they're wicked. They're, mm. they're terrible. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, but <clears throat> that I got out of that hole right away and went to another one. That's where I stayed the rest of the night. But you're not going to believe this. Four hundred and forty. 545 feet to Surabachi from the top of the tier of the be of the beach. Mm. We got there the third morning. Wow. They came at us at nighttime with bonsai charges. We killed three, four hundred of them. They were crazy. Mm. And they'd get a few of us. Yeah. That happened every night on Iwo Jima for six weeks. Mm. That's where the nasty wow. fighting was. They come right in your hole and drop hand grenades. Wow. Yep. What was it like being that as a young Marine, like, in, you know, being able, you know, committing to your first kills and doing that and committing to that? You know, what is, what is that action it, like? You know, uh, this is where training comes in. You, you we had a bayonet practice, mm -hmm. in, you know, in San Diego. Right. And a lot of kids didn't want to do that. I mean, that's a wicked, that's a wicked thing to do. They're sad. They're, yes. they're body. They're stuffed bodies, you know. Right. And you, you, you jab them with your bayonet and pull it back out, you know. Yeah. When the DI is standing there, you didn't get him, hit him again. Mm. And then he said, men, you never killed anybody. They'll just slowly bleed to death or perhaps get patched up and come back at you. And we said, well, we, no, you got to twist the blade. Mm. and make a hole mm. and pull it out. And if that doesn't work, pull the trigger and pull it out. Mm. Now, that's what you're, you're taught. Wow. Kill or be killed. Right. That's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. It's kill or be killed. And you knew that there. Yeah. That's it. So what was it like the ascension to uh, Surabachi at that point? Well, we, we got close to the base of Surabachi. <clears throat> Meanwhile, while we're trying to climb up, they're throwing grenades down at us. And when we're trying to go up, uh, Easy Company on the left, which had the guys that went up on the hill and put that flag up there, my battalion commander, CP, was down by the base. And he called Lieutenant Schreier, Harold Schreier. And he said, Harold, take this, pull it out of his jacket, you know. And he said, put this, see if you can get this flag up there. Yeah. And the lieutenant said, where'd you get a flag, Colonel? He said, I got it off the transport. Oh, wow. And he said, get it up if you can. Get some boys together. Yeah. They had no equipment for that. Yeah. They found drain pipe up there. Wow. They caught rainwater and moisture to get water down in the caves down there because they ran out of water. Mm. There were no planes coming. We cut off their air supply. Yeah. They 
they were starving. Wow. Oh, they they lived like rats. Mm. They were full of lice when they'd surrender. Yeah. We had to fumigate them before they go in the in the colony. Wow. Wow. Load of lice, just mm. ter- terrible. Mm. But that was what they did. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> uh, the the patrol they worked their way up to the left, and we move up through the middle. Yeah. Well, when we all get up there, of course, you have to finish the the job up. But they were coming out every now and then, yeah. and they finally got that flag up over to the left of me, and I said, "Holy mackerel, look at!" We got that darn thing up, look at that flag. Mm-hmm. And the flag went up and boy, everybody let go out in the bay, every ship, yeah. boom, boom, boom. It was a celebration, you should have seen it. Oh, yeah. Japs fought all the worse. Mm-hmm. They were infuriated. We put our flag on Japanese soil yeah. for the first time in history. That was Japan, because that was a prefix right. of Japan. Yeah. Wow. Okinawa, same way. Yeah. Other islands were occupied by, by different countries. Wow. Yep. So what was it like when you finally you finally saw that? But you you oh did I cried. You think you, yeah. We cried. Yeah. We, it was a great oh it was just a great sight. Yeah. Did it, you, it really was. But it was over with. Yeah. We took off the next morning. Second flag went. We didn't pay any attention to it. Yeah. And we went down the base. Hit Hill 362A, picked up the rest of our battalion. And that Hill 362A, you ever been on Evo? No, I'm not. All right. Well, you, sh- you should go. I want to go. Yeah, you <laughs> should do. go. Yeah. Um, the, the Hill 362A was a main cave which had a huge opening. Artillery, every kind of a weapon, mortars, everything, they throw it out. It faced Surabachi and part of the, the beach. Yeah. So, see, they thought actually we would be coming in behind Mount Surabachi, mm. but it was all rocks. We couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. The only place was right where I told you, Green and Red Beach. That was it. That's why we were jammed up. Oh, okay. Well. That's the only way we could get on. They had rocks all the way around that place. Mm. Well, <clears throat> we got to Hill 362A and it got evening. And everything came out of that place. Oh my gosh! You know, I was a squad leader, and I had no squad. I had Johnny Arvio, but the but I didn't tell you about him. Another kid joined me, and he got he caught a, caught a grenade in his back, and it, it it put him out of commission. Wow! He went down the they carried him down the beach. So I'm still alone. Wow! You don't know who you're with. It's a mess. Yeah. And everything was coming out of that cave. And it was night, so I couldn't use the flamethrower. The next morning, man, the report came in Mm. to to our battalion CP. Johnson wanted to know what the heck was going on. And then he said, Graves, Graves. I said, yo, here he is. He said, what's going on there, Graves? I said, sir, I said, we've lost our officers. Our battalion shot to heck. He says, no kidding. I said, no. Do you think you guys can work your way back here to RCP for the night? I said, well, we'll try. He said, I think you better do that. We'll start thinking about something for tomorrow morning. So we did. And the dang Japs moved around and hit us there. Wow. It came screaming in the in, in our camping area. And I hit one of my own buddies with my forty five across the chest. 
Who? Wow. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. His name was Faust. Mm-hmm. And he was a kid from Georgia, a buddy of mine. Yeah. But he made a mistake. He was so, he moved around the, he was camping out around the, the back, and that's where they came in. So he saw him coming and screamed and yelled, came towards us. And we thought it was a chap because they screamed, you know. Yeah. And I opened up my 45, and the round hit across his nipple. Oh, wow. It took it off. Oh, wow. Oh, and he lay there in pain. I felt, I, I almost cried. I, yeah. I said, buddy, I said, why don't you scream? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he came back with us. Wow. He wasn't bitter a bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he lived. Yeah, but but it, was a, yeah. it, it was that way all through the island. I mean, it was just a, a, a dirty, rotten battle, you know. Yeah. And it was a different kind of fighting because it wasn't jungle. Yeah. Yeah, no trees. Mm. There was a little village down there by Hill 362A. Our artillery took it out. Yeah. If you saw the the movie uh, Letters from Evil, mm, yes. Well, the general went in town with his lieutenant, with his captain. He said, "Why are these civilians still here?" He said, "We can't get them off, general. Yeah. They won't give us any planes." Well, that we fought them people. We killed them. Wow. Yeah, their their wives and sweethearts. They they put uniforms on. They gave them rifles. They fought us that one night at the Bonsai Charge. We killed every one of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, it was sad, but kill or be killed. Right. You yeah. do what you had to do. Do You do what you have to do. That's right. If you want to go home. Yeah. How many more days of battle did you oh, see? Oh, we, uh, yeah, we had six weeks of it. Mm-hmm. From there, uh, that was the third or fourth. That about the fifth day, almost a week. And then we went to the north. And going towards the north... They would do their damage to us and then move back and back. And finally, at the end of the fifth and sixth week, we had them almost to the shore. Wow. But they still had uh, enough men to do night attacks. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll give you just two stories that happened up towards the north end. This one I'll take to my grave. I'll never forget it. We were in a shell hole, of course, three, two machine gun squatters and myself. We didn't have a squad, so we fought together. And <clears throat> I got word on my walkie-talkie graves. I said, yo, this is company CP. I said, yes. He said, be on the lookout for snipers. I said, well, we don't have any sniper problem. He said, we do a back here at the company CP. He said, first sergeant just took a, a caliber in his leg, mm-hmm. so they know where we're at. Be on the lookout. It's 10-4. So they hung up, I hung up, I got up there, took my flamethrower off, and got up there with my glasses, and I'm looking all over out there. I can't see a thing. Nothing's moving, mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. I dropped back down. They get on the phone again. He asked the same appeal. and I said, 104, I'll look again. He said, well, wait a minute. By the minute, by, by the way, he said, you've got a kid coming for your replacement. I said, just one? He said, that's all you're going to get. Mm. I said, send him. We need him. Yeah. He'll be there in 10 minutes, 10-4. Be on the lookout. I did. So I, before I got up there, he come rolling right over the hole and said, who's Graves? I said, I am. What do you want me to do? And I said, sit down over there. There'll be a lot to do this evening. And he saw what I was going to do. And I, he said, let me take a look. And I said, no. I said, you get yourself killed. Forget about it. So one of my buddies said, give him the glass. That's what he's here for. Give him the glasses. So I threw the glass. He got right where I had been for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And we're talking, three of us. 
Ooh. He fell back. Wow. His helmet fell off and spun between my feet. We were shocked. Yeah. And it stopped spinning. And in the bottom of his helmet, caught in the web, was a beautiful girl. Wow. And on her lap was a beautiful little baby. Ooh. Wow. I lost it. Yeah. I pulled everything off and I jumped up and down. I shook my fist in the air. Yeah. I cursed the Marine Corps. I cursed Iwo Jima. I cursed everything I could. Yeah. My buddy got up, hit me in the face, knocked me on the ground. I got over it, put my stuff on. Nobody said a thing. I reported we got a man killed in our hole. We're leaving. Mm -hmm. They said, we'll come. We'll send stretcher bearers. We went to another hole. Wow. And... This is what was funny. Mm. I said, you know, I feel like hot chocolate. Yeah. And they said, well, make enough for all three. We never drank coffee. Mm. We, just, we never drank coffee. We drank Dr. Pepper, Pepsi Cola, you know. Yeah. We were hooked on that stuff, <laughs> but you couldn't get it. Yeah. So I made hot chocolate. We diced up our ration bars, and I put up my Hylomont liner, lit demolition underneath, had a nice fire going. Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> Guys are complaining because they could smell it. I said, I said, make your own. You got you got ration bar, make your own. All of a sudden I heard, Hey Marine, very good chocolato. You bring chocolato here. I said, if you want chocolate, you come and get it. He says, Oh no, you bring here. <laughs> and we got word we're gonna be released by the third division. Yeah. And we got up and we walked down to the beach. We were a mess mm. and sleepy. We never slept much at all. Gosh, you couldn't. You couldn't do it. And <laughs> out of 335 of my Marine buddies six weeks earlier on the beach, we hit that beach. Eighteen of us walked down to the cemetery. Wow. Eighteen of us. No officers. Very few sergeants. Wow. We went to the gate of the cemetery. It's at the base of Surabachi. It's gone. Japanese wanted to know if we'd take him out of there. Well, we went down there, and our regimental commander, uh, Harry the Horse Liver, said, said, fellas, I want you to line up and go through that cemetery before we board Hagus and go back to Hilo, Hawaii, mm -hmm. on our transport. Okinawa was in battle. That was the end of it, except for Japan. Wow. He said, I want you to go through there and say goodbye to your officers and your buddies, and we said, yes, sir. So we lined up, and I noticed that every Marine that went through that, that entrance of the, our cemetery stood and read a sign, a little, a little sign on the left entrance, side of the entrance. So when I got there, I saw a K-ration box turned inside out, and someone wrote this on it. And this is what it said. Fellas, when you go home, tell the folks we did our best that they may have many more tomorrows. Wow. I'll tell you, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Not a Marine had a dry eye. Wow. We walked through that cemetery and said goodbye to our officers and our buddies. I went to school, three of those kids. Wow. Yeah, we both, we all three dropped out. Wow. Loaded our Higgins, went back to Hilo, Hawaii, trained for Japan. Mm. Japan surrendered. We went to Japan, occupied it for three and a half, four months. And then we went back to the States, got discharged, got out. Wow. Yeah. What was it like in the finish of that, knowing that you were done and you had made it out alive? 
I can tell you what it was like when the war ended. Yes. It was a, yeah. it was a strange. You know, I did a lot of singing, entertaining the Corps. Mm. And when we got back there, we broke up. Mm. No need of us anymore after after Japan surrendered. Okay. Well, we didn't know this yet, though. But the morale was still quite low. So uh, my captain told me, Graves, get some of the boys together, put a show on. We'll use the theater. Yeah. I said, yes, sir. So I did. I put a variety show on. And Bob Crosby, Bing Crosby's brother, was our recreation officer. Wow. So he was there yeah. supervising the show. That's cool. And while I'm singing, mm-hmm. it's dark. In come photographers. And they're walking in the ranks of the guys sitting there on the ground. Mm-hmm. And they stopped. And Bob Crosby says, what, what are you doing? Why are you disturbing the show? And they said, sorry, Lieutenant, but the war is over. Dead silence. Wow. You know what we did? Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. You know, we wouldn't believe it. And they said, no, fellas. Harry Truman, we just woke up. Mm. They're going to receive an unconditional surrender. The war is over, fellas. And boy, did we let go. Bob Crosby said, fellas, the show is over. Go back to your tents. We went back there, and you could have dropped a match on the dirt floor. Really? Man, nobody said a thing that night. Yeah. We knew we were going to go home. Wow. Yeah. Well, then Japan surrendered, of course, surrendered, and we were elected to go to occupation Mm. and occupy it. We spent a few months there and got home home to Detroit. Yep, Mm. that was it. Wow. Yep. What do you remember about being in Japan when you occupied it? Oh, I uh, they they were they were didn't uh, they were told a lot of poison that we were rapists, we were butchers, we were going to kill them. Yeah. Uh, we were going to steal everything from them. Uh, and they were terrified, but when we got there, we went into warehouses in Sasebo Harbor. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that warehouse uh, stored a lot of equipment for for submarines. That was a a base there. Okay. You know, you should have seen the ships and submarines turned upside down and sticking out of the water. Yeah. Our navy went in there, blew the living daylights out of that place. Wow. Oh, they every every part of the building of warehouses. If you put your hand on it, a finger, will go through a bullet hole. Wow. They they pulverized it. Mm. Well. <clears throat> nobody showed up. We never saw a civilian. We didn't know how to, what we were going to do. Yeah. How are we going to walk? How, what would be their reaction? We didn't know that we should load or not. Yeah. We carried bayonets. And all of a sudden, kids would come down. Yeah. And we'd give them candy bars. Mm. And they'd go back, and then sister would come down. Then the mother and the father. And the word got, and boy, they come down, and they brought us little gifts like, you know, oh, it, they found out we we weren't the kind of people that their, their military told them. Mm. And so it it, it was easy. Yeah. They went to work. We we worked them. Yeah. Yeah, the men went to work. Right. Yep. And they, they had fun. And we fed them. Yeah. They yeah. loved it. Wow. Yep. Mm. Yep. What, what was it like? I love Japan. I was there four years ago. I love I love them people. They're, yeah. they're so wonderful to us. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, we killed. Look look at Hiroshima. Yeah, gosh, I was sitting on a seven 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 going back to Evo four years ago, 
two of us. And they saw my cap, Iwo Jima veteran. Mm. And there was a family sitting there. It's break time. Mm. And there was a seat there, and I wanted to get acquainted with them. Mm. So I sat. My other buddy was sleeping. So I snuck across, and I sat in the chair. And she looked over like that, and she went like that. And, mm -hmm. and I said, like that. And her husband was snoring away. He was sleeping. <clears throat> she looked at my cap. Mm -hmm. She said, Iwo Jima? Mm -hmm. Iwo Jima? I said, yes. She said, you there? I said, yes. <sighs> she went like that. Mm -hmm. Woke her husband up. Yeah. Shook him. He woke up. Oh, what, what, you know. Yeah. Iwo Jima. And he turned to me and he said, you fought on Iwo Jima? Mm -hmm. I said, yes, sir. He said, and he put his thumb up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> wow. It, it, that was a congratulations. Wow. We killed 22,000 of their kids. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. Yeah. But that's the way they are today. Mm, yep. That's interesting. Wow. It is. It is. I hope I go back this, mar this uh, March. We're yeah. supposed to go back again. Are you excited about that? Yep. Yeah. yeah, we're going back again. What did you feel like when you got back to the U.S.? What was the feeling of the culture, you know? And after the after yes, the after occupation, the war. The yes. war. <clears throat> it felt strange. Did it? Yeah, it, it, it actually, it, it felt like I just left another world and I'm back home again. Yeah. You know, it, but I think we were disappointed. We had our anticipations up too high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we really did. Yeah, you know. Expecting a massive well, parade. Our, <laughs> all of our girlfriends were married. <laughs> <laughs> you, you win a war and then your girlfriends get taken. <laughs> they, got, they married guys in the military, but they were guys who were around the local camps and uh, never left, you know. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, and uh, it, it, it was... It was an adjustment for us. But you know, here's something interesting. <clears throat> this uh, syndrome thing that's, you know, we never had that. Yeah. PTSD? Yeah, we never had yeah. that. Uh, we don't know what that is. Huh. Uh, I, I will say that we had nightmares for a while, but it, it left us. Yeah. My mother told me I had, she woke me up a few times. About two weeks and it was gone. I mean, there's a definite adjustment. Yeah. Uh, we never had that. Hmm. I think we're a different breed of people. I really do. A different yeah. generation. Yeah. You know, I've had this talk with a lot of the younger guys, and they yeah. ask me what they think the older generation is, because I obviously interview a lot of the younger yeah. guys. Yeah. And they tell me all the time, you know, I, I think about it a lot, but I think, you know, my grandpa and his brothers, men like you, you grew up in such hard conditions that you didn't yeah. you didn't even recognize it as hard. No, it was just everyday yeah, that's life. right. I think you're right. And so then having that, you know, home unit that surrounded you, you know, and, and took good care of you, raised you up, and then, you know, but you were raised in hard conditions. Yeah. And then you go off to war, and it's kind of, it's just part of being an American. You and we were used that. to disappointments. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. That, yeah, that that might be one answer right there. Yeah, mm. uh, but but I've my, never thought about that. Being yeah, used to oh, disappointments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, uh, it and going to work, it would last two or three weeks. We got bored to death. Yeah, you know, working at a factory closed in like that. It was an adjustment for all of us kids, and we, you know, we were still tw twenty years old. You know, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one at the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you were married, you were, well, then you were about twenty-three. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> seems really young nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 but you know, your own 
family. Mm-hmm. After uh, at first, when you come home, they cater to you. They want you to have everything. But then it's old times again. They get mad. Yeah. And and you wonder why? Why do they treat you that way? You know, I mean, right. they don't understand. They're civilians. Yeah. They just don't understand us. Yeah. So I had an adjustment of settling down. Yeah. With work, I had jobs after. In those days, you could get a job anytime you wanted. Yeah. After the, after the war, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you think there's part of that? Do you think part of that of like getting back to work is really what also helped you from you know keeping those demons kind of come back from the battlefield? Well, or? yes, yes. But you got to remember something: we're confined to a machine. Right. Yeah. So you do have a lot of time. Yeah. To and think. then and yeah. and then you work different shifts. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, so you would have had a lot of time to think, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but, yeah. but speaking for myself. But that's why we're having you on here, so we can well, hear your opinion. <laughs> you know, uh, and here's, here's the thing that changed my mind. I want to go back in. I missed it. Yeah, did you? I, oh, yeah. yeah. I saw a couple of war movies, and, oh, I want to leave right now. I want to go back. Yeah. But I didn't mm. for some unknown reason. Huh. And I got married. Yeah. And we married too young. Did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, too young. Yeah. And I wasn't. The, I wasn't. I didn't do right a lot. I, I admit it. I didn't do a lot to encourage my marriage. We didn't have any children yet. Yeah. And uh, her and I were not making it. We were almost ready to split. And uh, I, I, I don't. I, I, we went. I said, "You want to go out to California and try living there?" I wanted. To, I wanted to change, and mm-hmm. I love California at that time. Yeah. And she said, I wouldn't mind. So we, we left. We sold what we had and left. Yeah. And I went, I, she said, why don't you go in the Corps? I'm going in the Corps. So I went down to the station the first morning we were there. And she went with me, sat in the outer office. I walked in the, the sergeant's room, and he got up and met me. And he said, how you doing, Mac? I said, good. I said, here's my papers. I want to go in back in. He said, when can you leave? I said, tomorrow morning. He said, you're not married, are you? I said, yeah. He said, I can't take you. Oh, wow. He said, the government stopped a lot more checks for the wife. Wow. And he said, Don, he said, if you pick up your rank, you're only going to get about $72 a month. Mm. So he said, it's going to be rough. Yeah, Wait a minute, he said. Would she consider a, a, a brief divorce? Uh-huh. I says, I don't know. I'll go out and find out. <laughs> how'd, walked, she, how'd she handle that <laughs> i walked out i walked outside the outer office mm. she said what did he say i said he wants to know if you go for a brief divorce she said let's go <laughs> I, I turned around when we left and the sergeant throws me a salute <laughs> <laughs> you deserve one after that that was the end of the corps for me and yeah. maybe that was for the best yeah yeah. Because sure in places I'd have been in Korea. Yeah. Oh yes, for I'd sure. Have froze my feet off. Mm-hmm. And many of those men died. Oh, they that, did. that had fought in World they War did. II, and they went and fought. In <coughs> yeah, Korea. they did. They stayed in. Mm-hmm. A lot of them got killed. A lot of my buddies didn't come back. So, some, even some, went and fought in Vietnam after that, and oh yeah, were killed in Vietnam. Oh yeah. So it's hard to imagine going through that hard of a battle, what you saw, and then being killed upon going back. Yeah. That's Wouldn't that rough. be something? Yeah. Yeah. Hor- horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, thought of, I thought of that. Yeah. 
I've met some of these guys, a few of these guys, you know, were three war veterans you yeah. know, who did World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. It's yeah. really wild. I can't imagine after experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of them, though, depending on your rank when you got out, yeah. or you know, and they went back in, or if they stayed in. Some uh, I've met, uh, see, when I was at San Antonio at our 47-year-later uh, uh, reunion, they told me that they... Uh, because of their experience, they grabbed a good a good job. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. Even though they went over there, they they weren't really in harm's way. Right, right. So I mean, and and, and it only makes sense that you got some experienced boys, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that may have happened, you yeah. know. Right. Yeah. You don't. We don't. We don't know though. But, no, I did. But if you were just a rifleman and maybe you were a PFC or a private, they probably threw you right up on the front line. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, what do you remember? So, after that moment, did what did it take for your, you know, for your marriage to get easier? You know, I know you had some up and down years. What do you remember about that? Have you heard my talk before? I, I've heard some of it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what I want to know. Well, uh, this changed my whole life. Yeah. Um, I went up on a. We moved to Wisconsin. I had a Marine buddy there. We fought together. And I went to see him, and we stayed there 32 years, raised four children. But before the children came along, I again, I'm still I'm trying to adjust. Mm. I picked up a lot of drinking. Mm. Yeah, I drank quite a bit at the time. Not, I was never an alcoholic, but I was a party drinker. Yeah. And of course, I love parties, and yeah. I used to entertain at parties. You know, <laughs> hard imagining yeah. you liking to well, entertain. You know, <laughs> and I had a, we had about five or six of our buddies there, so we always got together. You know. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I can remember I went on a fishing trip up northern Wisconsin. Didn't get any fish, but we caught a lot of bottle bass. <laughs> I think I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came back and I was in bad shape. Mm. I lay on the couch, and my wife was doing her work, and I just lay there. The phone rang, and she grabbed the phone. I'm laying there, and she's talking, hangs it up, comes over to me, and she said, Don, she said, Mr. and Mrs. Bilo, very good friends of ours, yeah. elderly people, of Danes from Copenhagen. And uh, I said, so what does he want? He wants to know if you would take them to a Billy Graham Youth for Christ rally in Oshkosh, 16 miles up the lake, Lake Winnebago. And I said, well, I haven't got any use for Billy. I don't, I don't know anything about that. No, I don't want that. So I lay back down. Were you not a Christian at this time? Oh, no, yeah. we weren't Christian. Yeah. We never went to church. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I'm, I'm just laying there, and I'm not feeling good at all. Yeah. And she's going about her work. The phone rings again, and I get up, and I answer the phone. Mm. And I said, hello. And uh, he said, Donald, this is Peter Bilo. I said, yes, sir. He said, don't say one word. I have something to tell you. Mm. I said, yes, sir. He said, you're a mess. Wow. And he said, you're losing your wife. Mm. You're losing your best friends. And you're going to lose yourself, and you can't do anything for yourself. Yeah. I want you to take me to this Billy Graham meeting. You will enjoy it. I said, I don't know anything about You don't have to know anything about them. Just take us. We don't drive anymore. Yeah. 
my mind began to think. I said, I'll change clothes and be right over. Mm. God was working. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we went over and got him and picked him up and drove down to Oshkosh, got into high school, right on Lake Winnebago. 2,700 people in there, and a lot of them knew me from singing. Yeah. And they knew I was a rascal. <laughs> and I could just feel them saying, there's graves. Let's hope, let's hope something happens to him. You know, let's, let's pray for him. Yeah. I, I could feel that. Yeah. So they set us right down the front row. You know, the front row is always empty. Mm. So I'm sitting there, my wife next to me and the couple. Billy Graham comes on, the films, it's a film, it starts. Yeah. And he said, you are not your own, you're bought with a price. And that price was Jesus Christ at Calvary. He paid for your sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. Why do you live in sins? Why do you live in misery? Your life is a mess. You need God on your life and you come tonight, you come tonight, you come. Mm. Later on, the film ended, preachers got up on the stage and they said, Folks, before we let you go, we're going to sing a song of invitation. Mm. And when we sing the invitation, if you have a desire to know Christ, please walk up and we'll, we'll pray for you. Well, I sat there on that chair and they started singing. Man, I'm telling you, all, all of a sudden something happened to me. I broke down, fell out of the chair on the floor. And I confessed everything that I knew I had done wrong. I confessed that I was a hypocrite and a liar. I, I, it just came out of me. Wow. They stopped. And the preacher said, normally, when we do this, we send you home, but we're not going to do that. We know there's someone in this audience that needs to know Christ. And we're going to sing one more time. And when we're through, we're going home. Yeah. I said, if they do it, I'll go up. Hmm. And they started singing. I got up on my feet. Mm. And a voice said to me, loud and clear, sit down, you fool. What about your wife? Mm. And I said, this isn't going to work. Yeah. It's just not going to work. I turned around and looked at her. She's sitting there and she looks up to me. Mm. She got up, grabbed my hand. She said, let's both go up. So we walked up forward, received Christ. They gave us a little Bible, prayed for us, gave us some scripture tracts. Yeah. And we went home to our apartment. We sat in an overstuffed brown leather chair for the first time in our life. It was a gift. Yeah. I said, there's a Bible here someplace. I reached down for an old Bible, put it in my lap, and I said, I'll flip it open and put my finger on something. I'll read it. She yeah. said, okay. I did that. This is what I read. Huh. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Mm. Nahum 1, 7. Forget the divorce. Forget the separation. God sent five God-fearing Bible men to me, and they straightened me out. They got me enrolled in Moody Bible Institute for college-level theological courses. Wow. Because I, you know, she was pregnant now. So that God put me in the ministry of five churches for 32 years. We raised four children there in Wisconsin. Wow. 
Yep. Did that completely change your marriage, the dynamic of it? Oh, yeah. that was that was over with. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. Now, it doesn't make you perfect. No. Because we still <laughs> have the same body. Right. <laughs> but we knew what to do with it. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yeah. But that, that gave me responsibility and made a man out of me again. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about those years of being a reverend, you know, and doing that those jobs? And I love people. Yeah. And it was easy for me to work with people because I know what makes people tick. Yeah. I've gone through a lot of it. Yeah. My daughter here read the book on Zimperini. Yes, yes. And she's dead. You two went through the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the movie. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I saw the grand opening of the movie and I, I my mind went back, my gosh, I was I was had I was hang I had a hangover mm. when I was in that theater in that high school. Wow. Wow. What an experience. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you say to people now in you know, in the culture nowadays and what you've seen the difference between, you know, when you lived, you know, being younger and what you see now? I can tell you this. Um, I can even name the high school, Granbury High School. Yeah. I'm sorry. Granbury also, but Grapevine. Grapevine, yeah. It, it touches the girls more than it touches the boys. Hmm. But I, I gave this testimony in closing. Yeah. And when I had when we closed, five or six girls, seniors, came down. They said, up above the stage, like... And they came down and they said, Mr. Graves, they said, we'd like to talk to you. I said, oh, oh wonderful. What do we talk about? <laughs> and they asked me questions. And they asked, you girls are crying. She said, yeah, because of what you said. Yeah. I mean, man, it was moving. Yeah, wow. It really was. And a few boys we talked to, but they, they approached it a lot different, of course. Yeah. You know, these girls are seniors. A year or two, they may be mothers and homemakers. They don't know. Right. The problem is they don't have a guy to bring the bread and butter in. Mm. Mm. And they're a little concerned about that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. So what do you, what do you, you know, I've had many people ask me, I had a few people ask me questions and they wanted to ask you, you know, um, you know, I had one in particular girl, she, she said to me, you know, can you ask Mr. Graves what, you say to people when they thank you because she as a civilian is concerned about thanking guys because she doesn't know how they'll react you know yeah. she gets so many different reactions uh you know what do you say to that you know to, uh, to a civilian uh, my who, reaction well yes. what didn't they like did they say or no they said they were nervous about when they go up to soldiers or marines they're nervous oh, about oh, thanking saying them. thank you for yes, your service yes. well i do handle it different yeah. it happened this morning i would have did a little bit of shopping uh, they'll say, thank you for your service. I'll say, there's no need to. We did what had to happen. Mm. I mean, we did what we had to do. Yeah. We knew what we had to do. We, there's no, that's what we had to do. Right. It doesn't matter. And we, I want them to know that this, I didn't do this because, oh boy, I'm going to be a soldier. Yeah. Uh, our country was being attacked. Yeah. If we hadn't intervened and did what we did, they'd have done something different. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Suicide missions. Right. Absolutely. Wow. So I, I, I love the I love the young people, but they're not used to being talked to straightforward. Yeah. Everything's sort of a compromise, you know. Right. 
I, I don't like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't seem like you do. <laughs> no, I don't like that compromising. You know, that was taken out of us at boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no compromising. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that went on to serve you. That's gone on to serve you very well the rest of your life. Yeah, that well, it has. That, and, it, you know, you're not per- oh, You know, we weren't angels. No. You know, Marine Corps doesn't make angels. They make <laughs> it doesn't? Kill. They make, <laughs> yeah. I have a son that retired uh, 27 years in the Navy. Okay. He came out of high school, graduated. You know, Daddy said, I graduated. Yep, congratulations. I understand that. He said, you know, he said, I'm going to go in the military. I said, well, good. What are you going to do? You going to the Corps? Mm-hmm. He said, no, he said, I'm not. I said, what happened? Well, he says, I went to the Army, and I asked him, what I would be doing. They said, well, you'll do your time. Then I went to the Navy, and the Navy says, we'll educate you. Mm. And he said, I went to the Marine Corps, and they said, we'll teach you how to kill. <laughs> I chose the Navy. I said, you chose the right one. <laughs> 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 he's got a job today that's he's got all kinds of money. Yeah. And it was because of his education in the Navy, because he was a supply technician, mm. computer. Yeah. Yeah, it it helped him a lot. Yeah, would you? And he was a, he was a master chief when he came. Oh up. wow! Yeah, and he got up high in the ranks. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to young people today thinking about joining the Marine Corps? Well, here's something interesting. Over at, at Tarrant, uh, they have Tarrant High School. That's a big one. Six hundred graduates. Oh wow! And I spoke to them, and before the meeting started, a gunny sergeant comes in, recruiter. He heard I was going to be there, and he knew I was going to be challenging the kids. So he came, and I'm sure he cleared the way. And he came in, and I said to the kids, I said, now, when we're through here, young people, if you don't know what your future is, there's a gunny sergeant right there, a Marine, and he'll help you. (laughs) (laughs) He signed up five kids. Wow. Two girls. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) you the recruitment speech right there mr graves (laughs) he he brainwashed him (laughs) all you marines are brainwashed (laughs) we are that's why they call us jarheads yeah (laughs) from your day to nowadays i meet all you all you're the same you're all brainwashed (laughs) but i've but because of my marine corps experience uh, for for quite a few years i did nothing yeah but the greatest thing that happened to me other than receiving the Lord as my Savior, I'll tell you right now, was to come to the state of Texas. Yeah. This state is patriotic. This state, you can talk about God. Mm-hmm. You can talk about a lot of patriotic things here. Yeah. And that's exactly why we're taking a firm stand. We're not going to let these hoodlums commit our state and change anything. Just leave us alone. Yeah. That's the way it is. You're proud of that, aren't We've you? We've all got we got guns. We got permits to carry it, and <laughs> I've got did. I've got Marine buddies that'll say we aren't going to tolerate it. Yeah, <laughs> now, that tells me something. They ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not messing with you at all. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> Even period. I'm, I'm just I'm just afraid there's going to be some shooting. Yeah, yeah. If they ever try it, mm. because they do have a permit. I have a permit. Yeah. to carry. What's your what's your greatest fear in our culture now as far as what you can see can just be uh, the the uh, the apathetic attitude mm. of a lot of people in our country. Yeah. And we have so many strangers in here now. They don't care about it. They just want to make money. Yeah. 
Greed. Want, yeah, greed. It's greed. I want to get all I've never had before. Mm. Yeah, I want to do what the Americans do so I can have what they have. They don't know what we went through, some of us, right. to get what we got. Yeah. You know, the uneducated mm. old generation put these factories in this country. Right. I had it's uncles. It's important to remember that. I had uncles that worked 40 years in General Motors, uh, Ford, and got top jobs because they worked. My son, high school graduate, yeah. he's doing a college-level job right now. He flies all over the world. Wow. Yeah, and high school graduate. But he stuck to it. He started out in a foundry, an aluminum foundry, hot, stinking, dirty job. And now he's got a good job. Wow. He worked his way through it. They'll rely on him because he worked in the foundry. Mm. He knows what's going on. Mm. What What do you think, you know, from from then to now, obviously, it's been many years since, you know, you grew up. But what do you think has changed the most throughout that time that has brought us to where we are currently? Uh, I, I'll tell you about my I'll tell you what I, the, the biggest thing that's wrong with my country. We're materialistic. Mm. Yeah. Our kids are running around with expensive phones. I can't afford one of those phones. Yeah, uh, I have to watch it. Uh, how much I spend on a phone, mm -hmm. but these kids are given phones. Yeah. My gosh, we had house phones. And you weren't allowed to touch that phone. That was for emergency calls only yeah. because it cost. Right. Well, yeah. you could. You know, I know that the girls called up uh, their girlfriends after the war. You know, yeah. things got a little different, but. But during the hard times, we could. I, I wanted to talk to somebody so bad on the phone. My mother and dad said, don't you even touch that phone. Yeah. Well, now, if you're here alone and there's a fire or something, you just dial O there. Mm. And that was when you picked it up and went like this. <laughs> <laughs> the old rotary. <laughs> no push button. Yeah, no, no push, push button. Yeah. <laughs> Fo the first phone I remember, you cranked it. Mm. On yeah. a box on the oh, wall. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. That's what, <laughs> well, that's what the farmers had. You know, my grandma had that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So going forward in you know <clears throat> life, you know, if you were going to give advice to anybody who was you know moving forward and and you know wanted to listen to your generation, what would you tell them? I it's exactly what they'll come up and they'll ask me, Mister Grace, how do you stay so young? Yeah. You're not. You're going on 95 years old. You're you do 93, young. 94. And I'll say, well, the only thing I can say, young people, maybe you don't know what I'm going to tell you, but it's real nice if you have good genes. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> I had a father that had good genes, but he drank himself to death. Wow. I had a son that drank himself to death. Yeah. She she told you we lost her bro her brother. Yeah. This one I have here doesn't do that. Yeah, he's a sociable drinker, very light. Right, but the, you know you have to understand in the, the depression nobody had anything. We saw our mothers and fathers drink beer every Saturday night, and, and they bought a, a keg. Yeah, and they chipped in all together, all the relatives. They, Saturday night because you know you didn't. We jacked the cars up. You couldn't drive. It's too cold. Yeah, in, in Michigan, was no. Yeah. And and they would play penny ante poker. That's what they did. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, it was all over. That that's what families did. They played cards. Michigan Rummy. Oh, we us kids played Michigan. We played card games and, and table games. That's what we did. Wow. 
We didn't have money to do anything. So they, they started drinking beer. Well, uh, during the war came, they made money, and they drank, went to taverns. Yeah. We used to call them beer gardens or saloons, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's what they did. They drank. And of course, the kids come along, they pick it up, too. I, I never picked it up then. I, it was in the Marine Corps that I really started. I never smoked. I hated smoke. Yeah. That house was so blue with smoke, and they used to roll their own. Oh, really? Bull Durham. Yeah. And our, my brother and I, our job was to, they had a machine in. Oh, it it wrapped factory, the cigarettes. Huh? Yeah. That's what we had to do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and what did we buy our fathers yeah. for Christmas? A yeah. pack of cigarettes. Yeah. But they, they just drank too much booze and, and smoked themselves to death. I mean, and they're gone. They're, yeah. they're gone. Their health wasn't good. Right. My brother went the same way as my dad, followed my dad, bragged about it. Wow. Man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's that's what happened to all my graves. The graves were drinkers, heavy drinkers. Yeah. God, God's the one that took it away from me. I, I'm a, a very social, I social, social drink. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what takes a man to go in. My dad, my dad would take my brother and I with because we could get free. They put free food on the bar, you know. Yeah. Or uh, they used to have a big case with potato chips or popcorn. Yeah. We could help ourselves anytime we wanted. So we went with them. Yeah. And I used to watch my dad. He would sit at the bar and he'd order, give me a shot and a beer, a shot of whiskey and a glass of beer. Mm-hmm. And the beer was the chaser. Yeah. And he'd take this whiskey and he'd look at himself in the mirror. I'd watch him yeah. and he'd drink that all down. And sour face, he'd screw his face up and then he'd wash it down with a glass of beer. And then he'd say, Let me do that again, bartender. Yeah. And I thought, Why does he sit here and do that? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's what it was. Mm. We used to go fishing, had a pint of whiskey with him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that's what they did. The First World War boys just went to drinking. Yeah. Making, they made their own beer and wine. Yeah. That's what they did. Michigan is loaded with fruit and, be- fruit and berries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you think that was? Do you think that was an escape for them? In a way from their... From I, I think because they didn't have the means or the money, the cars to do anything else. Yeah. It was so comfortable to just have a keg of beer there, you know, that they got for a few dollars. Yeah. Uh, and... and and for for food, down the street was always a hot dog stand. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. <laughs> the, the Detroit Coney dogs. Yeah. And they were five cents a piece. Wow. And they'd chip in and send us kids down to get a bag of hot dogs. Man, wow. That, that, that's what they ate. Yeah. And you then, know, the fight, then a fight would start. <laughs> well, yeah, most of them are Irish. Right. Know? And they... They'd fight. They've been drinking. And, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. They, what they get into a fight, you yeah, know? Yeah. Just argue over something. It's usually yeah. what alcohol leads to. Yeah. yeah. A and us kids would say, "Gee, see, we're having fun gambling. Now they're fighting. Look at them <laughs> arguing." So they say, "We're never going to do this." Yeah, we're well, not coming up. So when they get their coats on and head for their day, they say, "Where are we meet next week?" <laughs> 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 That's amazing. What are we going to meet next week? <laughs> the, the anger was quickly pa- had oh quickly passed. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be my place. No, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And if I wanted to see my aunts and uncles, and that, I knew where to go. Yeah. S- Sergeant's Tavern. <laughs> <laughs> you could find them easily. Yeah, he, had a big, he had a big tavern every Friday and Saturday yeah. night, and they'd sober up Sunday and go to work. Wow. Never drank during the week. Okay. 
Never. Only Went to work. Yeah. Bought homes. Yeah. They were my generation were hard working people. Yeah. Well, my, I know that. Our parents. Yeah. They were hard and they scraped and mm-hmm. saved. They, they and then when money started coming in during the war, yeah. man, they let go. Yeah. They let go. I did see that my grandpa and my grandma though they were just so economical like they were oh, so smart with oh, their money yeah, you couldn't yeah, yeah. they would spend it on their grandkids for sure but oh, they yeah. were very smart with it and they were yeah. very ethical with it I remember that I remember when we'd have a birthday of my grandpa and maybe one or two uncles that had money mm-hmm. I they would give me a nickel for my birthday oh wow well after the war <laughs> I was twenty. 20 going on 21 i said hey you guys it's my birthday oh here they give me a half buck (laughs) (laughs) things have changed a little bit (laughs) so you know mr graves it's been an honor having you on the podcast it's a privilege to do it i'm glad i'm able to talk to you about these things you know in closing i kind of wanted to ask you what did you know what did the battle of iwo jima teach you most during your time on iwo jima What, what did you learn the most well, we know this. We know that it shortened the war. We allowed the B-29s, and that was the pur- purpose of taking it. It cost 7,000 of my buddies. It cost 20,000 shot up and taken off the island. We don't know how many died aboard ship. Yeah, We don't know the figure yet. But, but it shortened the war, and all that was left was Okinawa. Yeah. And we lost a lot of kids. Now, I'm speaking for the Marine Corps. But our kids over in Europe did a very good job. The Battle of the Bulge and the 82nd Airborne. and that. I mean, the Red Arrow Division, they fought. You know, they did their job. They were American soldiers, you know. Yeah. And there, there's always the rivalry of, oh, yeah, you're a Marine. Oh, a jarhead. <laughs> yeah, nobody's like you. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, but, but that's good. That makes you good. Makes you proud. It does, yes. It's That's good. the good thing about America. Yeah. There's always competitive. Yes, very. Yeah. Always. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's true. I, yeah. Well, you've got a nice home. Well, when I buy a home, it's going to be better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, now, we now have those arguments in the modern circles amongst the younger veterans. We're like, well, we were at, we, you know, we were at Bougainville. My, our unit was, had been there. And then, well, my unit had been at Guadalcanal and had been at Tarawa. And all that. It's like, not, <laughs> oh, yeah. none of us had actually Start, been there, but we're claiming it for, our, for the we, Army and the Marines. Well, you know, <laughs> we'd have some fun after the war. You know, yeah. Where'd you say you were? Mm. I'm Bougainville. Yeah. Oh. Where were you? Iwo Jima. Oh. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough battle. <laughs> that's a tough battle. <laughs> well, we're 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 thinning out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I I've uh, I'm in good health. Oh, we have the minor little problems, you know, but I'm in good health and uh, my legs are starting to go. I have a VA. They told me to take a walker. Oh, they did? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, uh, I take it in the back of the car. If I need it, I'll use it. Yeah. But I don't use it unless I do, and that's a little pride, you know. Yeah, <laughs> a little marine pride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, I'll use it if I have to because I'm a, pa- I'm a good patient. Yeah. <laughs> I do what I'm told. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had nothing serious. I think the only serious thing you ever had was gallbladder. Oh, okay. And my mother gave me that. Mm. Yeah, that came from her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Gibbs, one last question for you. I want to know, what do you want? how do you want people to remember you and your legacy and what you leave on this planet? I ask all the guys this, Iraq, Afghanistan, Korea. You know, uh, 
the one thing that I think the Lord has taught me this. If you meet someone, be very careful how you say goodbye. Mm. Be careful what you tell them. You know, uh, I always want to make some sort of an impression. Mm. Now, when I was younger, I was cocky. Uh You know, I I never thought seriously like this. But as I got older, you know, I, I got in the Marine Corps League and they started to use me, you know. And then the Navy League would have me come over and speak to them. And so that, and then, of course, being a preacher uh, in the pulpit, I dealt with people. I, I knew people. I understood people. Yeah. And, and I checked my audience over. These roughneck Marines that I just, just spoke to a few times the last few days up until yesterday, uh, I know what they want. But you see, I speak a different language. I'm a ground fighter, and they're air wing. Right, yeah. And they don't understand what I'm talking about. They heard about it. Yeah. And I know what they do, and I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I have a favorite expression. I'll get complimented. And I think of that black actor that always says this. He talks about something in a car to a guy. Now, don't let that go to your head. Yeah. And I use that. Yeah. Don, don't let that go to your head. I don't have time for jealous. I've never, I do too much. Yeah. I mean, I've always been able to sing. I've always been telling a joke. I'm good jokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I know people, and I've, I'm like my mother. She, always, she was always the storyteller of the family, the yeah. clan. Come on, Vera, tell us a story. <laughs> you know? and, and, and this girl here, this daughter of mine, she's mm-hmm. the same way. Yeah. Gabber. She got it from you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the way I am. And yeah. and you I've got an I've got a buddy now. I, I can't do anything. Well, he's a country boy, Texan. Yeah. And family's all busted up. He came out of his mother's womb at fourteen years old, when his mother was fourteen. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean they're busted up and there, there's all kinds of problems and he doesn't care. They don't care. He's got a daughter and a son that are in trouble, and he doesn't love them. He doesn't spend time with them. I, and I love the guy. He's a good buddy. He's a good a good veteran. He spent 12 years on a submarine. Mm-hmm. And I can't get it. I can't get it into him because I always say, now listen, let me tell you something, buddy. He's president of our roll call, the group that I go out and get, get money for. Yeah. Comes into a meeting like a bum. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you've got to look successful. Yeah. I mean, you're a real estate broker. You're a good worker. You're president of our, you've got to look like you're successful, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And he said, well, I never did that. And I don't want to, you know, that's it. You can't change his mind. I took him out. We spent $400 on clothes. Yeah. He had a gal that he liked. She took him out, sold her, they sold the house. She took him out and spent $500 on him. He was at the air show the last few days. Came with barn boots on, old overalls, T-shirt. Wow. Uh, That's not good. Yeah. But he doesn't understand it, and I don't think I'm ever going to get it across to him. Yeah. And yet he's a good good boy, good American. Yeah. That level of professionalism is different from your age. So what kind of an impression? Yeah. I I think... you know, I, I don't have time to be jealous. I've never been jealous in my family. I never have yeah. because I do too much. I, 
I just have done, I've done a lot, and I can sing, I can perform, I can talk. Uh, I mean, that's it. Yeah. So I don't have time for jealousy or anything in the head up here. I don't care. Yeah. I've had both styles, both sides of the road. Yeah. Yeah, I know what it's like. Wow. So, uh, I mean, uh, I like to encourage people, you know, and uh, but sometimes it works and sometimes, you know, we're made differently, and nothing can change that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well. Well, Mr. Graves, this has been a privilege. It's been an honor it's to been, speak with you. It's been fun. And thank you for sitting down with me. <laughs> Very good. It's always an honor to sit in, you know, the space of legends and uh, guys like you are, you know, you're, you're too few nowadays. Yeah, so well. We appreciate we you. We had to Younger do generation it. appreciates you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. But let me close with this. Yeah, of course. God bless America. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thank you. This has been the Veterans Project Podcast with our founder, Tim Kay. Check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook, The Veterans Project, and Twitter at Project underscore Veteran. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, our legacies are the mission. <laughs>